When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, hello, and I'm hoping we are live. We had a few technical issues, and I, I don't really know why, but we are live and we are here, and that is the main thing. So you are joined tonight by me, Andy, and we are also joined by Praz. We're not going to waste any time. We're going to get straight into it, aren't we, Praz? Yes, we are, and uh, I'm still trying to check if we're working. I think we are, so good good on you for, for fixing whatever issue we had. So uh, well <laughs> done, and uh, yeah, I can see us, so well done. Yeah, good to go. I'd love to say that I'm a technical genius and I've sorted it all out, but literally I've hit refresh about 20 times in the last 10 minutes. So I'm hoping that, it, that it's all sorted now. So let us know in the it, chat if it is, because I do apologize if it's not. <laughs> it is. That's what it is. It's the heat. Um, exactly. Praz, we've seen now that, you know, lots of people are making their drafts, even people that don't usually play FPL, they're making their drafts. And there's kind of a bit of a template forming, isn't there? Yeah, there is. And we thought we'd do a video to give people some ideas to think outside the box. Now, that does not mean that template is bad. I think uh, there's there's elements where you can take risk or you can think that the template is going wrong, but I certainly wouldn't say, or we sh we wouldn't say that you need to kind of go different just for the sake of it. I think uh, that's one macro point to make. Yeah, definitely. And I it is nice to have one or two of these players in your teams and just be a bit different. And when you're looking down your mini league and you're seeing everybody all with the same team, it's nice to have that one difference. But like you said, it's not essential. This is just you fancy a template buster, somebody that's going to be completely different from the template. These are the kind of players you're going to be looking at, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So should we uh, should we bring up your gorgeous table? Oh yeah, this is the new this is the new scout table format. This will be consistent across all videos that we do. Um, so yeah, this is our this is these are the ten players that we recommend or well recommend that you think a little bit harder on, and we'll certainly talk about them. Yeah, we've created a monster. We've created a monster at Scout. Praz now knows how to do these tables, and I reckon he's just sat at home making tables all day every day. Absolutely, I have a new yeah. hobby. If I didn't have one earlier, <laughs> so. Um, for the people that are listening to this on the podcast, I will go through each pick, so don't worry. But at the top, we do have Raheem Sterling. Obviously, he's moved to Chelsea now after his £47 million move from Manchester City. He costs £10 million in the game. He's only owned by 7.4% of players at the moment. Um, his fixtures, Everton, Spurs, Leeds, Leicester, Southampton, West Ham, Fulham. So... Not too bad, not too bad from an attacking sense, hopefully, as well. Um, he has hit double-digit figures in five successive Premier League campaigns as well. So he has the pedigree. We know he is somebody that can be a proven asset, and he's usually quite low-owned. So moving to Chelsea, obviously, they need a bit of a focal point in terms of that player that's going to score goals and get assists as well. 7.4%, um, he's a perfect template buster to start off our, our stream, isn't he? Yeah, and he's that price where he's not a big hitter, but he's slightly more expensive than the 8 million plethora of options that we've got, right? And I think Sterling will will sort of, at least we hope, uh, that he will fit into the system really well. I mean, at City, what Pep had him do was basically hug the touchline a lot more. When we mm -hmm. see him playing against England, he's always coming into the box, he's taking a lot of shots, and I personally think that he will thrive in that kind of a system. So Chelsea could play the 4-3-3 or 4-2-3-1, or he could play the two narrow 3-4-2-1, in which basically you have these two players behind, which is Mount and Sterling, uh, just behind Havertz. 
either way, I think Sterling should do well, especially in that number 10 role. And the way it's played out is Havertz will be the one who will sort of create the space and Sterling will run into that space. At least that's what mm. we expect. We've not seen it friendly yet where Sterling has played with those guys. But Havertz was talking up, uh, you know, the system and his uh, keenness to play with Sterling. So expect big things. I think, can he break the template? I think it's, it's perfectly viable to go for somebody like Sterling. Issue is the price point, right? I mean, the, 10, the, the, the price point, which is 10 million sort of, makes him too expensive. Why would you not go for the 8 million options that you have that are equally explosive like the Diaz's and the Mara's and the Foden's of this world? But we're here to talk about why Sterling and not not why not Sterling. So I think he's a good pick and I think one you can back. And the last thing on Chelsea that I want to say is, yes, their fixtures are okay if you look at the first seven game weeks. But if you look at the full picture, you know, if you take the longer term view, so for example, first 16 game weeks, Chelsea is top of the ticker. Now I do know that we need to play a wild card before that, but they're basically decent throughout the campaign. So you can always punt on a good Chelsea player and Everton, Tottenham, Leeds, like you mentioned, Leicester, these are good attacking fixtures, maybe not defensive. And whereas in the template, we see more defenders than attackers. Yeah, it's, uh, I'm, I'm really interested in Sterling. Um, I, I'm looking at it and thinking... He's a player that's in his prime. In some ways, I don't really know why City have sold him because he's he's literally, what is he, 27 years old. He's just moved to what is a rival. And you're looking at it and thinking, I'm not really sure about this move. But in that respect, he should hit the ground running. There shouldn't have to be a real kind of betting in process. He should be able to get there. But in another way, I'm thinking... Chelsea bought a player in their prime last year who was supposed to be scoring them a lot of goals, didn't fit the system, didn't work out. What happened? He legged it. And obviously, you know, they didn't use him. So I'm just looking at Sterling thinking, do you feel like this is going to be a different case with Sterling? Or do you feel like for 10 million in midfield, can we just wait and see with him? Um, you could wait and see. I mean, that, that this will be true of any of these players. I mean, there's mm. we've picked guys who've got good fixtures, so we've not sort of gone with players with bad. So you could go for them early on, but equally, look, when you're a template buster, you don't have to sort of all put all your chips in in game week one. You could wait and watch, but it's that price, right? I mean, if you wanted to sort of go for him and look for an early wild card, I mean, this kind of isn't a freemium, but it gets you a third big hitter who maybe you can, you know, he could. The guy was uh, was he the the golden boot winner or at least in the race for the for the Euros right for England mm. and he's just always been in the goals. I don't know why I feel like um, he will be the player that uh, you know the England type player that we've seen rather than the Man City type player for Chelsea. Yeah, um, I'm a bit concerned. It says we've got ten minutes left on our Zoom call. So that should be interesting. Um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so next up, we got Vardy. Obviously, Vardy is somebody that is just when he when he plays, he returns points, doesn't he? And you know, he's now nine point five million. He's dropped down from one million from last year, which is actually a really nice little downgrade in terms of price for him. Nine point five million. Leicester have no European commitments this season. I think at nine point five million, he could start sneaking into a few more teams before the beginning of the season. Yeah, yeah. I, I like Vardy and his price. Um, look, he's a guy who, if you give him 3,000 minutes in a season, he gets you 200 points. He's shown that over the past seasons. He is getting, you know, he's getting old now, 35 years. I mean, does Vardy age? Maybe. Uh, but look, he's he's looking sharp. He scored in the in the preseason friendly just now. I think uh, they drew three all and he scored the equalizer. So Vardy is definitely one that needs to stay in our radar. After game week eight, I've talked about this in the past, Leicester have an amazing fixture run. And that's also the time where people will look to wildcard. 
So Leicester play Nottingham Forest at home, Bournemouth away, Crystal Palace at home, Leeds at home, Wolves away. I think those are six fantastic fixtures. And uh, those are basically ones where you would want a Madison or a Vardy. Why not go initially? I mean, it's, he's, they've, they've got a decent run. I mean, Brentford at home, Arsenal away, Southampton, Chelsea, Man United. You can argue that the Chelsea game is slightly harder. But other than that, Vardy loves playing any of these teams. So definitely one that you can think about. Only 4.6% owned. I like him. I like him, especially from the time when European games kick in for the big mm. teams. And you will sort of start to see rotation, whereas Vardy, like you said, is not in Europe. So definitely one that people can think about and have in their teams. Yeah, and under 5% owned as well, which is lovely. Uh, Havertz is next. So Havertz looks like he's going to be, you know, the false nine for Chelsea this year. He looks like he's going to be that man up top for them. Uh, Obviously, he did it at points last season. I wouldn't say he was that stereotypical striker up front obviously we know that about him anyway he's not going to be getting you those 20 goals a season but if the opportunity's there obviously it's looking like a a good shout he's um eight million he's 5.1 percent owned he's got everton spurs leeds leicester southampton west ham and fulham um worth looking at i think just for that out of position uh kind of benefit that we have with him well i mean (laughs) Technically, oh, he's now position. Sorry, he is a striker yeah. now, isn't he? Sorry, I should yeah, say. Yeah, so he he's a striker. The thing is, he's basically direct competition to Jesus. So mm. you see in Jesus, um, I think he's what, 60 plus percent owned now. He's the most owned player in the game. Chelsea is a good team. So if you wanted to back a striker from Chelsea versus a striker from Arsenal, I get it. It's a, He almost plays a false nine. He's not out-and-out striker, whereas Jesus, we think, will be amongst the goals as well. But I don't, I don't hate the Havertz punt at all. Because of all the reasons we mentioned, given that you know Sterling should give some impetus, people he he may be you know he may draw some defenders to open spaces for Havertz. I think he's a good shout, and if I was sort of really in punt mode, I would say that Havertz is as good a shout as Jesus to sort of balance that template. And if you wanted to go differential and you wanted to risk it, because you're not really changing the structure of the team, you know, in 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 relation to how you see the template. But you're going for somebody who plays for Chelsea as a striker instead of a Jesus. Uh, I don't. I don't hate that at all. And the guy looks motivated. As I mentioned, he's talking about wanting to play with Sterling. Mount has always been great. So it's for the first time since last season. I mean, Lukaku never worked. Werner, you could argue, worked in bits but never did. So you'll for the first time see three efficient players with Mount, Havertz, and Sterling, who all can run with the ball, who can all make quick passes. Maybe it clicks. Maybe he's the guy. Maybe, maybe. Do you really see Havertz and Sterling both having great FBL seasons? So, I, I, I'm wondering whether it can happen for both. Well, it's interlinked, right? I mean, the more goals, it, the question is, do you expect Chelsea to score more goals? So, if mm. if the Sterling thing works out on the left, Mount is already great on the right. I think if it if the system works, they should score more goals, and then they should share them around. Now, whether that is Mount getting the assists and Havertz or Sterling getting the goals. Regardless, I think Havertz for his price at 8 million isn't a bad shot at all. Yeah. Uh, next one, which would be a bone of contention for a few people, is Mares. Uh, so Mares is 8 million this season, which seems really good value for a player whose points per minute are always high up there. But obviously, the big thing with him is the minutes. Uh, he's 5.4% owned. Uh, he's got West Ham, Bournemouth, Newcastle, Crystal Palace, Notts Forest, Aston Villa, and Spurs as his first lot of fixtures, which I think are probably the nicest fixtures of the lot on here. Um, the biggest thing for me, and you might be able to allay our fears a little bit, even if Man City only had one attacking outfield player fit, 
I still don't think Mares is nailed. <laughs> so, so can you allay our fears a little bit, or is it uh, actually it's the same old problems with Mares? It's the same old problem. The, the, yeah. the thing is, he doesn't track back enough for Pep, and he's never going to be the trusted ninety-minute every Premier League game guy. He's not a KDB. He's not going to be what we expect a Haaland to be. So what what we are thinking is that maybe Foden comes back uh, and plays on the right. Now last season there was some some uh, minutes data that that we were able to get. Uh, last season basically it was Mares who played a thousand four hundred minutes on the right, nothing else on or anywhere else. I think he played very few minutes as as a striker, and on the right it was essentially only Jesus or Sterling who spent any minutes. So yes, you're right that this, you know, if you go by purely last season, then that's probably the case that it should be Mares getting most of the minutes. But look, we will come to Grealish later, but I expect Grealish to play a lot more on the left, which means Foden will move more to the right. Foden last season didn't play much at all, uh, about 120 minutes on the right. Most of his time was spent in this, you know, in the, in the false nine or the number nine role or on the left. Now, if you think that Haaland's going to nail down that front spot, Grealish is getting more minutes. Clearly, Foden's going to eat up uh, Mares this time. So there is no free lunch with Mares. I think you will have to sort of take that leap of faith again. You'll have to see Prezes in form. I went with Mares last season. I don't know. Did you? I did. Uh, game week one. I yeah. Did. He yeah. was okay. I mean, he got us, what, an assist in game week one, a goal as a sub in game week two, and then that's we right, sold yeah. him. Right? Yeah. Yeah, basically. That's exactly what we did. Um, but it's one of my big things I've always said in FPL is if you're signing a player where when the team sheets come out you're wondering whether they're going to be in there you probably shouldn't own that player and and Mares is that man the problem is when he does play he returns you know he, it, most of the time he returns so he is out of all of them that risky yes but if he does play at least he gets you that return so yeah. it's always a tough one with Mares. Uh, he has just signed a new contract doesn't he till 2025 so it could be especially with all the players they're signing Players like him and Grealish do start getting those minutes now in the Premier League. So it's a tough one. I don't think I'll be going near him. But for £8 million, there's worse options. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Look, the, as you mentioned, his numbers, his, his XGI last season was better than Diaz. And Diaz, mm-hmm. we thought, had a great season in the, in the second half, right? So, yeah, if he starts, you're in, you're, you're quids in and you're already basically doubling up with Haaland and him. Haaland's going to be highly owned. So you basically got a city attacker that most of the template doesn't. So there is appeal there. You could go for a Foden as an alternative. We didn't pick Foden here because we think he, he should be more popular. He may not be in the ultimate template, but look, Foden's been a consistent player, whether he plays on the left or the right. I think Foden is just more trusted. And he's actually the reason why Mares is less trusted by us FPL managers when we consider him. But look, I like him. He may probably lose penalties to, to Haaland. Um, but initially, if you wanted to go there, I, I, there's there's worse points than Riyad Mahrez. There is. Um, I'm just concerned we've got just over a minute left, apparently, on our meeting time, which we've never had yeah, it's before. It's a two-people Zoom, so I don't know why that's happening. No. Should we just keep going and see whether it... Goes. It might drop, so I don't know what the solution is. Yeah, let's just let's just go and see what happens. Okay. I can always ring you we back, just, can't I? As long as people in the chat just, are happy for me to ring Praz back. Um, yeah. So next, as well, is something that we I know we both want to talk about a lot because Sancho's on here, and I think you can also put Rashford in here as well because Absolutely. they're both midfielders. Sancho has had a two million 
drop in his price from 9.5 million to 7.5 million. He's 7.9% owned. Obviously, Rashford is 6.5 is um 6.5 million. Their fixtures are okay to start with. They've got Brighton, Brentford, Liverpool, Southampton, Leicester, Arsenal, Crystal Palace. Not awful. Mm. But I am firmly on the Ten Hag bandwagon. I really am. I feel like these prices for these Man United players are just ridiculous. And how do you see it working at the moment? Because in pre-season, it's, it's looked okay. It's looked quite fluid. Sancho, Rashford, Martial, talk to us. Look, it's the perfect uh, storm of new manager, FPL basing the price on last year's bad performance and you expect uptick in performance. So therefore, that makes the players cheap, right? Um, my only caveat is, I think we're getting overexcited with a couple of preseason games. Man United are definitely looking better, but a lot is going to change between now and game week one. Number one, Ronaldo is going to come back in. So we don't know how that changes the way they play. Does it sort of ruin the dynamics in the attack that we're seeing with Martial, Sancho and Rashford? Number two, what happens if Ericsson comes? Oh, I've lost him. Hang on. We can get him straight back. Don't worry. Come on, Praz. We can find you. Um, here we go. Come on. Come on. How quickly can I get him back? I reckon quite quick. Here we go. Uh, <laughs> people in the chat, you are genuinely been through a lot already so far so i do appreciate that here we go i think i've got him back already here we go we got him back yep yay look at that look super quick there you go Praz. so yeah we're talking about sancho yeah so what i was saying was there's there's a few things that can change and i think i had talked about the fact that ronaldo can come in uh, mm. where if if ericsson's plays and we get uh frankie de jong as well where does Ericsson fit in? Yes, he may not play every game, but he will eat up minutes. So the reason why we've gone for a Sancho pick um, is, is basically Sancho has got his place on the right. He's got exceptional interplay with Dalo in, in, in the preseason games we've seen so far. And look, he's shown pedigree, right? I mean, he, he scored 38 goals and got 41 assists when he was at, at Dortmund. The guy can give attacking potential. He's being... In the goals, he scored today as well, and he scored a couple of times before this. He is looking threatening, and I like him the most, even though he is competing then with some of the 8 million midfielders, which we've talked about. So do you sort of lose the discount that you get with the Rashford at 6.5, who may be less nailed, who may share minutes with Elanga, who may share minutes with Ericsson or even a Bruno uh, eventually? Or do you sort of say, Sancho's going to play every minute. I like this. I want a part of this. And I'm going to go with the Sancho. Because it's interesting to see, because like, the big thing about the United Assets is they've all done it before. That's the difference. Like Martial, Rashford, they've, they've both had incredible seasons before, Like especially during lockdown that time, wasn't it? They, they were just getting returns every week, assists, goals. Sancho's obviously done it before with Dortmund. He's had incredible seasons with them as well. More assists than goals usually, obviously. But if Ronaldo doesn't go and somehow forces his way back into this team, obviously that is a massive wedge there. Um, if Anthony comes in, which is yeah. still being mooted quite a lot. Obviously, that's going to make a massive difference there too. But if Anthony doesn't come in and Ronaldo does get sold, Sancho, Martial, Rashford, I mean, they're going to be starting game week one. I can't see how they're not. And Alanga is probably the only real threat they've got or Bruno maybe going out to the wing, which I can't see happening, to be perfectly honest. So I, for their price and how nailed they could potentially be, they just seem like bargains to me. Rashford at 6.5 in particular. like He's been in my team. I'm quite happy to have him there. 
but see, my perspective here is, and I don't disagree. Look, Rashford, Rashford <laughs> for 6.5 is fine, I think, because he's competing at that price bracket where you're going for Martinelli, who's also a, a, a minutes risk, or you're going for a Neto, who's, you know, plays for a w- much worse team. So I don't mind that. But if you're going for a Sancho, you're basically competing, as I said, with the 8 million guys. Look at, look, so Man United's fixtures look okay when you read it out all eight. But if I tell you that in the first six, they're playing Leicester, Arsenal and Liverpool, then I can sort of turn it the other way and say, why don't you wait for the first six game weeks? They're still going to be cheap in game week seven, right? It's not like their value is going to zoom up if they are playing these difficult fixtures. Granted, they could do well, but getting Rashford at a 6.7, 6.8, if he's done well, is not is still a bargain, right? So I think the value of waiting on Man United assets is there. Of course, you know, I'm entitled to change my opinion later as as they keep smashing teams in preseason. But I think at the moment, <laughs> we're getting overexcited, especially on Martial. I mean, Ronaldo's, we've seen, he's not going anywhere. Bayern doesn't want him. Um, Atletico Madrid think is completely, I mean, he'd never go there. He was a real yeah. Madrid guy. So I don't see where he leaves. He's not going to go to a, a MLS or, um, you know, some a place that doesn't offer Champions League. Otherwise, he'll just end up staying. So... I personally think he will stay. That does not mean that Man United does not do well because I think Ten Hag will still make them click, but that will sort of make the other options less appealing. That's what he does, right? He sucks in all the goals and yeah. makes somebody like a Bruno last season less appealing. Yeah, no, completely. Um, a lot of people in the chat have mentioned Bruno as well. Because um, what is he now? 10, 10.5? I think for me, he's been nowhere near it just because I, I can't justify spending that amount of money on him when you've got other Man United assets that are 2.5, 3.5 million cheaper. And yep. obviously, we we don't know what's happening with Ronaldo. We don't know where Bruno's going to be fitting in at the moment, although we're, we're pretty sure he's going to be attacking midfield, aren't we? But um, obviously, last year was such a bad year for him with, with Ronaldo being there. So for me, spending that much money on somebody when it's wait and see is tough, whereas on a potential punt on someone like Sancho and Rashford makes more sense. Yeah, yeah, fair. And I see in the chat, there's a there's a few comments like, you know, you want to get ahead of the curve uh, from Mark and Nuclear Atoms is also saying we want to get the players before they haul. That's fair enough. But there's also a chance that you get the players and they don't do anything because they've got tougher fixtures and you went there just because of preseason form or because they were too cheap and you missed out on a Martinelli or another 8 million mid. So there's two sides to the coin. Of course, you can yeah. punt on these players, but only hindsight will tell us if it was the right time to do it or not. I'm just talking as a more cautious manager and that's the, that's the, that's the way I play and that's you know I'm not going to hide that I'm, I'd, I'd almost want to see it before I punt on it. And also I was uh, listening to a pod the other day that was saying don't be surprised if Bruno is not the type of player Eric Ten Hag usually likes because he is the I'm going to shoot from 30 yards he is the I'm going to try these Hollywood passes and Eric Ten Hag is all about possession it's all yep. about building from the back possession football and Bruno hasn't been that player for us. You know, he's been that, I'm going to grab this game by the scruff of the neck and I'm going to do everything. And yeah. he's not necessarily going to like that. So he might manufacture Bruno in a different way. So um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I can completely see why people would wait and see on United. This wasn't going to be a United pod though. So we're going to move on from this okay. one. I think we've covered it quite I, I, well We need there. to pick this one up at some point though, because we I do. think Bruno, Bruno will, will, there's a chance he moves to the left or Ericsson yeah. moves to the left. Um, and that also is a risk to Rashford. But I'm not scaremongering people. As I said, I think Rashford is a good pick in itself because his competition isn't giving up a Diaz or a Mares or a Foden or a, or a Madison. His competition is giving up a Martinelli or a Neto. Do that. Fine. That's not even a punt. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Right, moving on to another United team. Obviously, Newcastle United this time. We've got Callum Wilson up next, uh, number six. He's 7.5 million this year, 7.5% TSB. Um, he's got Notts Forest, which is obviously the beautiful fixture he's got first. Nottingham Forest. Sorry. I can't stop. Nottingham Forest. Um, then he's got Brighton, Man City, Wolves, Liverpool, Crystal Palace and West Ham. Um, the biggest worry with Wilson is he only played 50% of games last year, um, yeah. but he did score every once in every two games, pretty much. Um, we know he's good. We know he's got penalties as well. Um, Newcastle do look like they're obviously going to improve. They're, they're improving across the team. There is a little bit of a worry they're probably still in the market for a striker. Like that could be their big last signing. And I would be very, very surprised if we don't see Newcastle sign at least one more player before the end of the window. Um, yeah. But if they don't, Callum Wilson could be that person we're looking forward to, but just be a little bit different up top, couldn't he? Yeah, it would be, it sort of fits into the category of you want to be different for the sake of being different. I mean, I know we're talking about template busters here. But you see, I like, for that price bracket, I like Havertz slightly more because of the fact that it's good fixtures, good team. Newcastle is an improving team, but his underlying numbers, so his XGI of about 0.3, if I remember, I'm just looking at the table, um, it's around 0.3, uh, 0.34. That's okay. It's nothing exceptional. So you have minutes risk, and you have a guy who is showing decent underlying, but not exceptional underlying. We'll come to a guy later who's showing exceptional underlying in another league, who's a gem uh, at a promoted side. But Wilson isn't that. And I, and I know he was sort of coming back from injury, so you have to sort of give him that discount. I just find that that slot is either a Havertz or a, uh, or a Jesus, or you go cheaper and you go for a Mitro or somebody else, basically. I just find it's, a, it's an awkward price. Was that 0.34? Was that for the whole season? Yeah. Yeah. So, but, but per 90, obviously. But, and that's through half a season of playing with Steve Bruce, where watching him play was like, you know, obviously it's horrendous watching Steve Bruce ball, isn't it? And it's, I'm wondering whether now, if they're coming in with Eddie Howe being there and playing a bit more fluid football, whether Callum Wilson could be that guy that actually he starts to get a few more, a better XGI because obviously he's getting a few more kind of, um, uh, it's just looking better behind him, basically, especially with Bruno G behind him as well, yeah. uh, whether he could be that player that kind of, you know, takes that next step up. But I think he completely goes off the radar if if they do sign that that, ne that striker that they're looking for. Agreed. And and the other thing with Newcastle is, and this is true for Bruno G as well, they play, Newcastle, uh, they play Liverpool and Man City in the first five. I mean, I, you know, we have to sort of recognise that these are the two best teams in the league. They have the best defence. And if you're punting on an, an attacker where price movements are so volatile, the guy blanks in one game, then plays Liverpool where you expect him to blank. You just start panicking. So I just, I just hate getting players where the very near-term fixtures are so hard that you will sort of be behind, uh, behind the curve and sort of be looking to ship them out even before you've sort of given them a chance to prove themselves. 
Speaking of playing uh, Liverpool and Man City in the first four fixtures, Zaha is next on our list at number seven. He is seven million and he's owned by 7% of players. This is weird, isn't it? Uh, He has got Arsenal, Liverpool, Aston Villa, Man City, Brentford, Newcastle, Man United. Now, those first four fixtures, I think, are are quite tough. But obviously, Crystal Palace show that they did well in in tough games last year, especially when they were at home. Unfortunately, it is Liverpool and Man City away in those first four. But Zaha on pens, talisman of Crystal Palace, obviously under... um, Vieira, they've, they've really improved recently, haven't they? And uh, Zaha's been kind of given that freedom again. Um, and he did play up front every now and again last year too. Um, tough with those fixtures, but he can do it in tough fixtures, can't he? He can. He loves playing some of those teams. He's on penalties. He sometimes plays out of position. There's a lot going for Zaha as long as he stays with Palace. You just never know with him. Um, but if he stays, he he's backed by Vieira. He should be, you know, he... he He's shown uh, tendencies. Basically, he made more forward passes into the penalty box than any other player in the league. So he does have a lot of attacking potential, and we see that when we when we watch him play. He rotates well with with Wolves. So if you wanted to go for a different structure, maybe a single premium, uh, you know, have a Zaha in your team, and you have a Wolves player like a Neto starting in the tough games that where Zaha plays. He's going to be in our teams because a 7 million price is actually really good because there will be times where we'll have an 8 million mid. We'll need that extra million. Where do we get it? Whether we downgrade them to a Zaha or a Coutinho or a Grealish. I think these guys in the 7 million bracket aren't talked about enough. And, you know, we wanted to cover one at least from the 7 million bracket. Coutinho is also actually a decent shout. Uh, But um, yeah, I think uh, Zaha is one to watch. Uh, now, another fascinating one for me. Uh, more fascinating than Mares, actually. I th- Grealish we've got next at 7 million. Uh, he's 3% owned. Um, I, he's had a 1 million price drop from last year. Last year he was 8 million. And obviously he had that incredible season at Aston Villa. Moved for £100 million. He had a season where I think we can all say the same thing, where Pep gives players that first season just to bed in get used to it, we'll manage you, don't want you getting injured all the time, let's just make sure you've got the rhythm of Man City. And then in the second season, players tend to shoot on, don't they? And this is obviously now going to be Grealish's second season. They've lost Jesus, they've lost Sterling, they've lost players that would be competition for him on that wing area. Obviously, he still does have Foden on that left there. But the thing that excites me is that now they've got Haaland, they've got that player that's going to occupy those defenders in the box yeah. And Grealish, I'm hoping, is going to be that man that finds that space outside the box. And that's where he thrived at Villa as well, wasn't it? So I'm really intrigued by Grealish. My, my biggest worry with Grealish is that if you've already got Haaland and you've got Grealish and you've got Cancelo, that's a lot of eggs in one basket for a kind of pet roulette team, isn't it? Or you'd rather put your eggs in the basket that's expected to win the league. I mean, that's my view True. anyway. And this is this is one reason why going for an Edison could sort of lock you out. Um, or if you go for a Walker, I mean, there's there's some good options at City this year. Let's see if they're nailed or not. Edison obviously is Walker. We don't know or Cucurella. We don't know. But I like Grealish for the reasons you mentioned. Now, even though you know he had a low-key bad season last uh, last year, his xGI per ninety was better than Bowen, Kulusevski, Madison, Saka, Rafinha. These are all darlings of last season. But he is still putting numbers on a per ninety basis that are at the level of players that we want to own. The issue is obviously the minutes. Will he get those minutes to deliver those attacking returns over the season? And he plays. He played less than 2,000 minutes last season. Now, I want to give a shout out to FPL underscore Jack on Twitter. So he did a thread on, on Grealish, uh, which basically looked at the minutes that Pep gave his top signings in season one versus season two. 
So if you look at Sane, he played 1,700 minutes in season one, played 2,400 plus minutes in season two. Bernardo Silva, 1,500 versus 2,800 in season two. Mares himself played about 1,300 in season one, played almost 2,000 minutes in season two. Then you have Cancelo, who doubled his minutes from 1,200 to 2,300. Gundogan also doubled his minutes from 710 to 1,500. Long story short, if Grealish played 1,900 last season, if he gets anywhere near 2,500 minutes, which is basically a start every two games out of three or maybe three games out of four, that's good enough. So yeah. he will then put up numbers that we saw from Bowen, Saka, Kulusevsky last season, and that is amazing. So that's that's basically the pitch for Grealish. Watch the minutes. If he's in, if he's playing, get him in. He's my favourite pick on this list. He, he's the one that... I, the thing is as well, if you're kind of set on having an 8 million midfielder, as soon as you move from an 8 million midfielder to Grealish, you free up 1 million and you've got a Man City attacker in your team that is most likely going to get the minutes, you know, in those first six game weeks. And the fixtures are lovely as well. West Ham, Bournemouth, Newcastle, Crystal Palace, Knott's Forest, Villa, like, it just looks great. And I think... For me, he he is he is that pick that I think that I would go with out of everybody on here. I, I really like it. I think this is going to be his year personally. Um, yeah. And I think for seven million, doesn't feel like that much of a gamble. Like he could easily have been eight million like Mares, easily. So yeah. I think I think seven million is a really nice price. Yep, agreed. Um, right, people in the chat, you're going to tell me if I absolutely butcher this. Uh, the next one on the list is Forrest's new striker, Awanee. Awanee, yeah. <laughs> he's, uh he's, he's 6 million. He's Nottingham Forest's new striker. Uh, 6 million, he's, what, uh, he's under 2% owned. Um, they've got Newcastle, West Ham, Everton. Then he do have Spurs and Man City, but then they've got Bournemouth and Leeds. So it might be one to wait and see and maybe bring him in after game week four, which I think a lot of us are going to be doing with like, the likes of Solanke and Mitrovic. Um, but he's done all right. He's moved in for 17 million. He's probably going to take that spot that Keenan Davis had last year. Uh, so Brennan Johnson kind of on the wing or to kind of playing just behind him. Um, and he could be that promoted striker that, that, that we need, you know, with Mitrovic and Solanke kind of waiting there. He's their competition, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, the way uh, Nottingham Forest plays, uh, you, you had Davis obviously last year. He was the main striker and Johnson was the one just behind. So the expectation that is that Awuni would be the 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 striker up top and he would he is very good at putting chances away i mean he was at union berlin before this he had um a very impressive xgi so the numbers we've shown here are from his obviously his his time in the bundesliga but his 0.6 xgi is basically in line with a sterling better than vardy better than Havertz. so anyone in this list only mares and sterling are better than that so I know Bundesliga tax. I know all of that. But look, this guy does have pedigree. If he was coming up from the championship, people would talk about him a lot more, even though there's obviously a championship tax as well. People just haven't watched him enough. And the guy who's brought this to everyone's attention is the guy who'll get the shout out now, which is 11ify on, on Twitter. He was the first one who kind of identified these exceptional underlying stats. Uh, the other thing is Forrest really uh, rotate very well with Wolves. So mm. if you had, let's say, a, a Johnny or an 8 Nuri in your defense as the 4.5, you can have uh, Ewuniwi in attack and you just sort of play one of them, or even a Neto, you just play one of them each week and you sort of get a good fixture for a decent attacker. So I think there is potential if you wanted to sort of come down from the from the Jesus level or even go for a third striker. Yeah. Um, Marco Lira has just brought it up in the chat, actually, I think it's quite good to talk about, is how do we expect Forrest to play in the, in the Premier League? Because... 
I feel like Fulham are going to be attacking like they were before because I think that's their strength, you know, especially with Mitrovic, Harry Wilson, players like that. Bournemouth, I think, are going to be a little bit more defensive first because they've got Scott Parker there and he doesn't know how else to do it. Um, but then Forrest, I feel like they're, they're unknown quantity, aren't they? Because they were attacking in the league last year, yeah. but they've had a mass overhaul of their players because they had to because a lot of them left or left on loan. Um, I, I'm struggling to know how they're going to play. Are they going to just kind of be a bit counter-attacking, do you think, to start with? And then obviously that striker is going to be tough to own. It's going to be hard. I mean, all newly promoted teams are hard to kind of read. Mm. Uh, I think FPL Irons did a did a good pod with uh, with the Wire Boys, uh, which people should check out uh, on um, on on how Forest is expected to play. But but look, even then, we're sort of crystal balling on how they will play. You expect them to be a little bit more defensive. You're not going to get magical returns from a promoted striker. But you know, we always love a promoted striker. We've gone with Tony last season, with Jimenez before, or Bamford before that. Uh, there's always appeal there because. There is a tendency for FPL to sort of look at this Bundesliga tax or championship tax and say that, look, we're going to cut down the price. And sometimes that price is very attractive. And the the last argument I have for this one is there will be a lot of options that will open up in this price bracket or around the 6.5 million going forward. So we may have a situation where we'll want to have a third striker slot for a Mitrovic, for a Solanke later. So if you have an Awinibi set up there, then it sort of is easier to move your funds and, and, and have that in place if you're not looking to wildcard. Yeah. And are we thinking Awini takes um, penalties away from Brennan as well? Brennan Johnson? Probably. Probably. Yeah, kind of, but I, no I basis that to hurts. say that. Other I think than that hurts Brennan Johnson. Johnson a lot. Yeah. Um, right. And last on this list, number 10, we have Leon Bailey. So Leon Bailey has had a 1.5 million price drop from 6.5 last year to five this year. Obviously, he was injured an awful lot last year, but it looks like over preseason, he's got himself fit. He's got the right attitude. He's looking, I mean, he's, he's looking a lot fitter and sharper than he was at times even last year before his injury. Um, and five million for a player that Aston Villa fans think he's going to be starting the season whether he stays in is something completely different but when you look at his um he's 1.4 percent owned for five million I, I think that's incredible value for a player that could be starting for Aston Villa and he's got Southampton Everton and Crystal Palace as his first three fixtures now don't get me wrong the fixtures fall off a cliff after that with West Ham <laughs> Arsenal Man City and then Leicester but for those first three games for five million he could be a perfect rotation option couldn't he he would, he would, yeah. And, and when we looked at fixture blocks in this one of these videos in the past, we saw that Villa was top five for the fixtures in the first block until game week four, bottom <laughs> bottom five in the in the second one, and then again top after that. So he is a perfect one if you want to sort of just keep him for the game weeks that are difficult and then just rotate him, like you said. This is all a bandwagon that started by the Villa fans. So we love those when 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 the club fans start these and and look, uh, Tom Freeman, our very own Tom Freeman uh, from Scout. I mean, he's kind of very bullish on him. He's the one I credit for starting this bandwagon. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm quoting him. If the season started tomorrow, he would start alongside Coutinho with Watkins up top. So if you get these three, four good fixtures with him, yeah. his price is going to go up. And you're playing for a much more attacking team. You can get 0.5 out of Neto, which is basically a template pick right now. I think he's a great option whether you want to rotate him or even have him as the 11th player to fund a additional wing back or maybe a th- even a premium. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. Babe. I, I, I've got a horrible feeling he might start games, but I've got a horrible feeling he's going to be the first one that goes off. Uh, and that's the problem with him. Like He's going to be going off at 55 minutes and things like that. And they're going to be bringing those other players on. Like And that's my biggest worry with him. Um, those kind of 
yes, he's cheap. That, that's the big thing, you know. Yes, he's five million. So actually, if you play him and he only gets you one point, is it that big a deal? I suppose it's not that you know big a deal. But um, yeah, it's tough when you. It's it's what you can do with it if you can rotate him or what you can do with the extra money if you can, if you can go down or something like that. And when we've got someone like De Silva who could be starting for for Brentford and we've got someone like Pereira who's going yeah. to be starting every game for Fulham. All of a sudden, five looks expensive, which is weird to say, isn't it? But it's just whether you would want to spend that extra 0.5 million over a 4.5 million player that's also going to be playing every game. Absolutely, and 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 we have to remember that uh, late last season, Buendia was actually doing really well. He was even yeah. keeping out Coutinho in some of the games when they were playing Ings and Watkins up top. So, I absolutely agree with you that uh, Gerard will. Th- that's the area where he'll sort of have his early subs, Ings coming on. Bundia coming on if Bailey uh, even starts, but on the on on the flip side, this is where five subs actually work in your favor. If he is that emergency player that comes on on the fifty fifth minute, maybe if he didn't start, you can do worse than having a very attacking right sided forward for your five million price bracket. Yeah, hundred percent. Right, lovely stuff. Let's just go back to our lovely main screen that we haven't been on for a while. There we are, and it will uh, come up with our little thing there as well, saying please subscribe and please like our uh, our video if you've enjoyed it so far. Obviously, you were very, very impressed, more so, with my quick ability to bring back Zoom and get Praz back in his <laughs> back in his little window rather than the table. But Praz, I mean, I, I just love the fact, we've got left three weeks now, isn't it? Three weeks yeah, left, yeah. and we're talking about template busters. There's already a bit of a template. The template, as we've already said at the beginning, they're not bad things. Te- you know, template players are there for a reason, but if you want to go a little bit different, there's 10 players there just to get you started, aren't there? Yeah, I, I really want to do, re-emphasize that. So good you brought it up. We will have more chances this season to recalibrate, right? Mm. So you don't have to sort of beat the masses in game week one. You could sort of choose to say, game week one, I'm going to stay with the herd. Game, when I wildcard in my first wildcard, I'll have a little bit more conviction on my mm-hmm. differential. So right now, no idea how Sterling looks with Havertz. No idea if Man United are legit or it's it's just going to kind of, when the fixtures toughen up, what happens with them. Game week one, sorry, wildcard one, you could be more aggressive where you have unlimited transfer from game week 16. Or after the World Cup, you could be a little bit more aggressive with 16 game weeks data. You don't have to be aggressive in game week one. Remember that. You don't have to sort of beat everybody in game week one. It's what happens in game week 38 that matters. Exactly, exactly. Uh, so everybody, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Sorry that there was a few technical issues, but we did get round it fairly well. Um, and Praz, thank you so much for joining us again this evening. I hope you enjoyed yourself. A pleasure. And uh, last week, uh, sorry, next week is our last one. So, um, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll make sure we prep well for it. Uh, it won't be it won't be the last one, certainly, that we do together, but it'll be the last one of this series that we've done pre-season. So it's been a pleasure and uh, look forward to it next week. It's been an amazing summer fling, mate. I've enjoyed it. We're going to make the most of next week, 100%. Absolutely. Uh, so, guys, enjoy your tinkering. Obviously, there's three weeks left of the tinkering. And uh, and we will see you again next week for our final one. Thank you very much and bye-bye. Bye.